Tomorrow may rain, but I'll follow the sun. It's sad for Lily and James are gone to stop Voldemort's rain. I will follow their son. Now the time has come, and so my love, I must go. And I'll miss you so, but in the end you will know. Take care of I'll watch Harry. Both not for the most rain, and I'll come home to our son. one of my favorite songs so i am going to start some segments that i should have started last week um i'm going to go into this week in harry potter because nothing particularly eventful happened on april 11th so april 16th 1994 which is really the only date that i can find in the seven years that harry was at hogwarts that happened in near around this week was um the gryffindor versus slytherin um, Quidditch match in which Gryffindor wins 230 to 20 and eventually goes on to win the Quidditch Cup at the end of the year. And I'm gonna do one or two bad Harry Potter jokes. I think I'll wait. And then I'm also going to read some terrible, terrible fan fiction because it is out there. I have heard some really bad things like the ships in quotations if you don't know from lingo ships are basically what fans want secret relationships between characters and the most common ones are Hermione and Draco and Harry and Draco things like that or Ron and Harry but there's some really disturbing ones like Hagrid and Hedwig no not good at all so I'm going to tell you some a little bit of facts. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was released in 1997 in the UK and 1998 in the US with the movie in 2001 and a video game, which wasn't very good, not really. And here's some like random facts. Uh, because there's a discrepancy between the Philosopher's Stone and the Sorcerer's Stone, many of the scenes that had, which actually they kept to a minimum saying the Philosopher's Stone and the Sorcerer's Stone, because many times, well, many times, all the time, they had to refilm those twice to use the different words. And it was changed because Bloomsbury thought that the American readers would... It would appeal more Sorcerer's Stone. It'd be easier for them to understand because 
Philosopher's Stone, I guess, was quote-unquote too advanced for them, or it just implied something boring, so they changed it. And one thing that I actually recently learned that Rosie O'Donnell wanted to play the part of Mosley, Mosley, Molly Weasley, and I am so glad that that didn't happen because that would probably ruin her. That would ruin the Molly character. I, I just do not like Rosie O'Donnell at all. And finally, as many Harry Potter fans probably know, that J.K. Rowling had Harry and Ron save Hermione from a troll because they needed something, quote-unquote, literally huge to bring them together because up until then, she was kind of naggy with them and they kind of just thought her to be a pain. And that's why she finds refuge in the bathroom because they said about things about her and she cries and that's when they save her so i am going to get to my talking points for today i have way more detailed notes so this should be good one thing that i want to address i will i will uh, continue to address is dumbledore and how he guides harry through these challenges which is kind of ironic because Snape is the one who's always trying to protect and shelter Harry. I mean, it's seen in the Quidditch when he is doing counterspells when he's playing the match. But then Dumbledore assigns detention in the Forbidden Forest when he knows that Voldemort is out in the prowl and there are a lot of dead unicorns. So it seems kind of counterintuitive. But then later on you realize that Dumbledore actually wants to prepare him for everything that's going to happen to him. And it's really characterized in the Deathly Hallows when an exchange between Dumbledore and Snape in The Prince's Tale, but I will get to that in a few weeks when I discuss that. Um, pets. This is one thing that I want to talk about just very briefly. Okay, pets is strictly cats, owls, and toads. Yet, Ron is allowed to bring a rat, which is actually very dangerous, as we will find out later on, and that is Peter Pettigrew, which is one of the characters that I just most despised. And actually, um, I'm going to talk about the mirror I've ever said, which is actually one of J.K. Rowling's favorite um, chapters, and it's a really good plot device because it reveals something about the character, their deepest desire it's not what they think that they want it's secretly what their subconscious wants so it really reveals a lot about the characters that both Dumbledore and Harry both see their families but then there's also other plot devices that are similar like the Bogart which is the complete opposite which shows the person's deepest fears and then finally there's Dementors that forces one to recall their worst memory. And all these are in Prisoner of Azkaban, which I will talk more about. But it's really, a lot of the books are about discovering yourself, discovering who you are, and your... your... I lost a word. What you truly want, what you truly fear, because many people think they know what they want but these devices actually truly show who you are and i'm just gonna like go um into that because i have a lot of talking points for today and i only have 20 more minutes which is not very good 
Okay, one thing that really just like bugged me that I just realized because I haven't read the Sorcerer's Stone in a while, and I just recently read it. And there is a point in one in the earlier chapters when Aunt Petunia is dyeing Dudley's old clothing for Harry to wear, and it seems like every other mistreatment of Harry is because the Dursleys are just simply lazy. They don't want to give him his attention. They just don't care enough to place any effort into him, and not spend enough money on him. However, she purposely buys clothing dye and spends energy and time to dye them. And it's like, why? It's she's done it. She did it mainly to make Harry's life more miserable. It would be much more cheap and much more cost-effective if she just bought regular, cheap gray clothing for Harry. But it seems like this stems back to、uh, jealousy of her sister because, as we later find out, Aunt Petunia also wrote a letter begging to Dumbledore to allow her into. Uh, admission into Hogwarts, and as we know, she is denied it. And it seems like something that she always resented her sister for, and especially since Harry has Lily's eyes, which actually, bec- which actually, it's repeated very often in the books, and it becomes more and more poignant as the books develop. And that's another point that I will be talking about. One thing that just really bugs me, though, is. <laughs> Alohomora, why do wizards lock their doors? Hermione uses this in Philosopher's Stone, and it's really easy. I mean, yes, it's deterrent to keep out muggles and children who don't know that, but it's like if a wizard can open a door that easily, why is there any reason to to lock the doors? Maybe it's just a social cue. That it's just common courtesy to not walk up to someone's house and automatically use their wand to open the door. But it kind of seems a little—it seems a little bit unnecessary, if, if, if that makes any sense. And one thing that actually really bugged me. Oh, wow, I'm going through these really quickly. I didn't think I would go through these that quickly. But it's just a lot of these. We'll find this a lot. Especially within Hogwarts, which is supposedly one of its repeated, it's supposed to be really a really safe location. It's supposed to be one of the safest spots that you could be. However, many of the doors are unlocked, especially in the first in the first book. I mean, Hermione, Harry, and Ron—they go to Hagrid's place easily. They aren't really met with any force. It seems like anybody could just get in. So it actually seems really counterintuitive. I mean, Voldemort got in indirectly through Quirrell, but he still got inside of Hogwarts. So it's like you really question how safe is. It really, and it's just kind of like baffling. Yes, there are some locks that can't be opened with a lohomora, but in your common household, you are not going to have a lock that is specifically against that. You're not going to have that, like、um, in Philosopher's Stone, when they are opening the key. And they have to. Harry has to get on the broom to get them. Most wizarding houses, like the Weasleys, aren't gonna have something like that. So it's like, 
I think it's mainly just a social thing where it's it's a polite thing to not go and open the doors. Um, what else am I gonna talk about? Oh, okay, something like the insights into the Harry Potter world. There isn't just a prejudice against um, Muggles. There's also it's it's chosen um, Harry's interaction with Neville, how Neville's family was worried, mainly his grandmother, that he wasn't quote unquote magic enough to attend Hogwarts school because to have a squib which is a non-magical um child in your family is seen as a disgrace it is almost it's almost on par as being a muggle actually it is worse because some people can some people respect muggles however some most people can't fathom being non-magical folk and it must be terrible because you're seeing your brothers and sisters everyone around you going to Hogwarts and having this great experience while you do not possess the magical properties and you're living within a magical world so it is really it must be really I, I think it's something to be explored it must be something really hard to live like that because everything they use is through their wand they use it they don't have electricity they just candles they light everything with their wands if you see later on especially in the weasley household how molly does everything with her wand she's not even there and things are cooking things are being cleaned so to be a squib and to live within the harry potter world must be not only experience extreme prejudice but to just to make your life more more difficult not only just the envy of seeing everybody else but you have to live your life almost in the way of a muggle within a magical world and it's just terrible but it's like this little interaction between harry and neville is supposed to be kind of innocent childlike maybe i'm reading a little bit bit too much into this at an older age but when i was younger i was like oh it's a little funny detail because i was eight when this came out wait i was eight or nine when i read it but it's like there's little prejudice and it's like how the long bottoms like they almost killed neville trying to force a magic out of him he was dropped from a two-story building and the only thing he did was bounce and that i am going to go into that's oh, a perfect little segue into how wizards and muggles heal differently because we are often see i mean look at neville he only he is dropped from a two-story floor and he only bounces in the muggle world if a baby is dropped from that high, I mean, a regular person wouldn't die. They'd get seriously hurt. But a baby would most likely either land in the hospital with serious or maybe die upon it. And just like how the sport of Quidditch, the bludgers are big iron balls that are trying to knock the players off. They're made of iron. And to Oliver Wood, it's very passe whatever and then again in the book which is earlier on when harry tells hack when hagrid is telling harry that he's a wizard and that and harry tells them like my parents didn't die in a car accident and hagrid's like his response is almost like this is preposterous like how could they die in something so innocuous as that so it seems like 
Yes, muggles and wizards are similar in many respects, but it seems almost like their genetic makeup is different because they can just grow back bones, and it seems like, however, that they take a long time because. They'll be with Madame Pomfrey, and the treatment will be really quickly. But however, they have spent most of the time resting. So yeah, I am going to take a little musical break because I feel like I've been talking too much, and then I will get back into a topic that I will probably be discussing a lot in for every single book, which is Snape. And his intentions. So, thank you for listening. This is Rumble Roar, and you are listening to Weasley is Our King. And I hope you will stay tuned for the next 11 minutes. that little musical break where it is The Lonely Life of Sir Nick. Um, I forgot who the band this is. Oh, this is Catch Love, which actually I, did, I didn't realize because I hadn't seen The Sorcerer's Stone in a good while. 
was uh, Sir Nicholas is played by John Cleese of you will know him commonly from Monty Python so interesting little fact I guess Ooh, I'm in the double digits for people listening. So this is Weasley's your king. Is our king, which I have explained before. But one thing that kind of bugged me in the Harry Potter series, well, in this one, is that Snape think Harry thinks that Snape wants whatever Fluffy is guarding, but he has no basis for that. The only basis is that Snape is an a-hole to him, I, and he's mean, and he thinks that just because. Snape is mean to him. Well, it is the logic of an 11-year-old, granted. But he has no basis for this, because at this point in the narrative, he doesn't know about Snape's death in the past. So I will just talk this up to childhood innocence, because that is basically what it is. Um, I am going to actually do... Bad. I'm gonna do. I don't know if I'm gonna do one or two bad Harry Potter jokes because the internet is completely full of just terrible Harry Potter jokes, and some of them are just really bad. Okay, here we go. How many Slytherins does it take to screw a light bulb? Five. One to screw the light bulb, and four to say, with their father's connections at the Ministry, they could screw it faster. I wish I had, like, a little laugh track. I, I think I'm going to get that next week. A little laugh track so it doesn't seem as depressing. Um, another one, which is kind of in the same vein. How many Weasleys does it take to light up a wand? Seven. Junie to look upset and do nothing. Ron to soak. Fred and George to blow it up. Percy to yell. Charlie to hold it in front of a dragon. And Bill to roll his eyes at everyone. Okay. I am going to do some bad fan fiction. I don't know if I can do it justice because a lot of it is really bad, badly spelled. Like instead of writing Y-O-U for you, they put the letter U or T-O, the number two. This is like, this is universally agreed as the worst fan fiction of Harry Potter and some people aren't really sure if it's trolling in quotations which is basically someone purposely writing this terribly or if someone is actually really serious so I'm going to read a little excerpt of it because yes like the wizard rock music it's awesome but sometimes fans just create things that are absolutely like wow who thought of this okay here it is, my immortal. It's just a little tidbit. I've never read all of it. I've just read highlights of it because I don't think my brain could handle and internalize this bad at writing if from like this little expert. It's really bad. We started tingling at each other's clothes fervently. He took my black thong and my black leather bra. Okay, no, that one's... I wanted to go to the common room and slip my wrist with my friends while we watched Shark Attack 3 and Saw 2. And do it with Draco, but I knew I had to do something impotent and sort of important. But then Draco looked at me sadly with his evil, gothic, red eyes. That looked depressant and sexy. He looked exactly like a pentagram. LOL, get it? Because I'm a Satanist. In quote, in parentheses, between Kurt Cobain and Gerard. I'm assuming that Gerard is... The lead singer, if I remember from my tween teen years, Gerard is the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. But then I looked at Vampire and looked, and he looked so smexy. To with his gothic black hair, 
I thought of that time when Draco and I did it and Dumbledore came and tame where Draco almost committed suicide and Vampire was so supportive. I love you, Tabberry, he whispered sexually and then we fell asleep. LOL. Yeah. I, I couldn't even get through that. I, I can't describe it. So I have four more minutes left. And I lost exactly my spot where I was at. Oh, I didn't introduce Quidditch. Quidditch is the main wizarding sport, which Harry becomes the seeker. And there's seven players and blah, 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 blah. One thing that is just really bugs me is the pointage system. Yes, it's all relative in the end when they're all added up because it's not... The Quidditch Cup isn't won by the games, but rather by the points. But in the game, it's difficult to win it because you would have to rack up 150 points beforehand in goals. Whereas if you just catch the Golden Snitch, you almost automatically guaranteed to win the cup, to win the game, match, not game, to win the match. I've got to say it the British way. So it's kind of skewed, and you know, like, yes, it's difficult to catch the snitch, but maybe if it was 50 points, maybe it would be more. Also, fouls within Quidditch are they're just penalty, basically the equivalent of penalty kicks. They are terribly, they terribly foul, especially when the Gryffindors and the Slytherins play, because the Slytherins play really dirty. And nothing happens to them. can be seriously injured. They should be, ex- my opinion, they should be expelled from the game. But I am going to stop for right now. So thank you for listening, and I hope this was informative. This is Rumble Roar signing off on Weasley is Our King. Thank you for listening. And next week, I will be discussing the Chamber of Secrets. So that should be fun. I need to skim the book at, you know, as headmaster of Pickfarts. I don't have time to read it. So thank you for listening and stay tuned for this. Oh, I didn't tell you all the Wizard Rock that you were listening to titles. I will tell you that at another time, but thank you for listening. I find golf to be dreary and football is a bore. I'd rather go do girl things because I think sports are lame. But I never ever missed a Quidditch game. The University of California, Irvine, provides the community with Orange County's only School of Medicine and University Medical Center. Hi, I'm Dr. Ralph Clayman, Dean of the UC Irvine School of Medicine. I'm happy to bring you